Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Today's episode is brought to you by West Holm. We all know from home cooks to restaurant chefs to eating enthusiasts that the quality of your ingredients makes all the difference, especially when it comes to meat. Westholm, which is based in Queensland and the Northern Territory, Australia, is working with the land to create nature-led Australian Wagyu. They steward 16 million acres of rangeland, guided by the natural ecosystem where their cattle thrive. The result is high-quality Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia and a flavor suited to complement any cuisine. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance, helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X Governance. Learn more at ibm.com slash governance. IBM. Let's create. Hello and welcome to Saver, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about haggis. We have a lot to say about haggis. We have so much to say about haggis. It's great. Oh, and this was a suggestion from Lindsay, uh, which we we mentioned her listener mail in passing in the previous episode. So she wrote in brief, um, in January, being of Scottish descent, we recently celebrated Rabbi Burns and had haggis. And she also, yes, suggested passion fruit, which Lauren and I then remembered we have done already. So <laughs> we're doing haggis instead, Lindsay. Yes. Oh, and thank you so much for this suggestion. Uh, because, you know, I... It was it was not quite on my radar, and mm-hmm. the reading for this episode has been straight up the very most delightful. There are multiple poems. Multiple poems. Multiple kind of a science. Cryptid. Humor. <laughs> humorous science articles. I am so excited. Sports. It's a whole thing. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, so I actually remember very vividly the first time I had haggis. I was in Scotland, and I think I was in college, yeah, and I was determined to try it, but I was very, very nervous to try it. Um, I was, I would say I was less adventurous back then. Okay, sure. That's fair. I guess I, w- I wouldn't say maybe less adventurous isn't correct as, 
as it would be more correct to say more nervous in general. Okay. Um, yeah. But I and I I'd absorbed all of this messaging that Haggis was really gross. I seem to vaguely remember something on The Simpsons about it. But this was the mindset I was in when I tried Haggis, and I was shocked to find that not only did I I not think it was gross, I liked it. I liked it. I didn't love it. Okay. But I did like I did it. Did like it. Uh, yes, I seem to recall being thrown off by the temperature. Which, looking back, I'm not sure that I had good haggis. <laughs> oh, what what was the temperature? Was it more lukewarm than you wanted it to be? Yeah, it was cooler. Okay. Um. Yeah. I and you know maybe that's how it's supposed to be, but I wasn't expecting it, so it was kind of like a a shock. Hmm. Yes. Um. But yeah. Otherwise, pleasant experience. Um, I, I've not, I've not had it, so I cannot, uh, compare my experiences. Um, but now I really want to get a hold of some. Um, <laughs> I really want to have a Burns night. Yes. Lots more about that throughout this episode. Yes. Um, and we have done some related episodes to this one, including Scrapple recently. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done Awful, uh, Spam, I guess, kind of, sort of, is related. Sure. Uh, sure. Yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> which, which I guess uh, uh, brings us to our question. Yes. Haggis. What is it? Well, uh, haggis is a type of uh, sausage dish. In fact, the great chieftain of the sausage race um, made of uh, awful meats, um, often including heart, liver, and lung of sheep, sometimes other animals in there too. Those, uh, those meats are simmered and minced up, then combined with uh, onion, about an equal portion of oats to meats, and uh, beef suet, uh, seasoned then with things like salt, pepper, coriander, ginger, nutmeg, allspice, and bay, then stuffed in um, either a, a sheep's stomach or some kind of sausage casing and boiled until semi-firm. Again, I have not had it. Um, I understand that the lung meat is crucial to the appropriate texture, which is, like, lighter and more crumbly than sausage. There's also discussion of what organs will make a haggis taste cleaner or dirtier, which I take to mean, like, more or less barney. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a flavor profile that I happen to love. Um, so I'm like, yeah, probably more organ meat. The Scottish who do take credit for the dish call uh, the offal the pluck, um, and the lungs, the lights. A chef by the name of Tristan Welsh uh, defined pluck as basically everything from the tongue of the lamb right the way down. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was from a podcast called The Naked Scientists. Um, uh, d- depending on how you make haggis, you can include the kidneys, the windpipe, you know, k- kind of whatever whatever organ meats you want in there, um, or as, as much or as little as you want. The New York Times quoted in 2007 one Ian Betts, um, then the chief of a Scottish uh, gay and lesbian organization, describing haggis, and they wrote, quote, it tastes pretty much like liver pate, he said, before adding, I don't like liver pate. <laughs> I love I love <laughs> slang like this, too, where if like you're just like, it's the pluck in the lights, I'm thinking, you know... Some kind of plucky heroes. I don't know. I have no way of knowing what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That to me says like glimmer from the new She-Ra cartoon, not like cheap <laughs> awful. Right. 
but I love it. I love it. Um, recipes do uh, do vary pretty pretty widely. I mean, you know, beyond that basic descriptor, um, uh, what's actually involved can can certainly vary. Um, apparently, personal spice mixes are like guarded secrets among accomplished haggis cooks. Uh, some some versions use less awful or only certain types. Some butchers have switched to using um, artificial casings as, as natural ones are more subject to like shrinkage during cooking, which can make them fragile. No one wants to serve a pre-busted haggis. Apparently. No. Um, <laughs> you, can, uh, you can also buy a canned or packaged haggis, which I think are often um, j- just, the, just the inner sausage crumble with no casing involved, I think. Mm-hmm. Companies also do make vegetarian or vegan haggis, which uh, apparently account for over a quarter of corporate haggis sales in the UK. Wow, that's nothing to sneeze at. I know, right? Mm-hmm. When made uh, traditionally, um, these are often served as like large sausages, like like multi-pound, um, intended to be cut open at the table and then um, have the, the fillings spooned onto individuals' plates, like family style. Um, and often will be served alongside things like mashed turnips and mashed potatoes, uh, neeps and tatties. Mm-hmm. Again, mm-hmm. I'd be like, it could be anything. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, language. Um, uh, and I suppose that brings us to the nutrition. <laughs> oh, I'm very intrigued about this. <laughs> Yes, let's talk about the nutrition. <laughs> oh, well, it depends, of course, on how you make it. But it tends to be uh, high in fats and in salts. Uh, watch your serving sizes. However, will be a very good source of protein and vitamins and minerals, um, uh, basically no matter what. So, yeah, uh, vegetarian versions are likely to be healthier, having substituted like beans and vegetables and seeds for the meats. Though, of course, vegetarian foods can still be real heavy on the fats. Never... Never assume that because something is vegetarian, it's like mm-hmm. lower in saturated fats. Yeah. Than a meat product. Yeah. I remember once my brother's ex-girlfriend who was vegetarian. She she's like, I'm gonna make you a vegetarian meal. And this was totally like my perception, because this I was younger at the time. And she because she made me this delicious huge bowl of like macaroni and cheese like the heaviest Ooh. mac and cheese Ooh. with like mushrooms in it it was so good but I remember thinking like oh this was not what I thought I imagined <laughs> you were gonna make I'm very happy with it <laughs> um we do have some numbers for you we do. Um, uh, haggis is primarily a Scottish food, but is now available around the world. Uh, global exports uh, from the United Kingdom increased 136% over the past decade, um, uh, worth during that total time some 8.8 million pounds sterling, and regularly going to 20 countries. Um, Ireland, Spain, France, and Hong Kong account for the most imports in that order. And now for a very important sport fact. Mm-hmm. Haggis hurling exists. It is a sport that exists. This is a sport that exists, yes, in which you hurl a haggis, if you couldn't, mm-hmm. if you couldn't suss that out. Um, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote the rules uh, according to topendsports.com because I normally I try to put everything in my own words, but I, I'm not going to rewrite sports rules. Something will get lost in translation. So 
For the game, the haggis must be made traditionally. Before it starts, the haggis will be cooled and inspected, making sure that it was traditionally made and no firming substances were added. The sporting haggis weighs 500 grams, 18 centimeter diameter, and 22 centimeter length. There is always a plus or minus 30 grams for both junior and middleweight events. In the heavyweight event, the haggis is one kilo in weight, standard uh, 850 grams and plus or minus 50 gram allowance. The world record for haggis hurling was measured at 217 feet, that's 66 meters, by Lorne Coltart on the 11th of June, 2011. The hurl exceeded the previous record of 55 meters in 1984 by Alan Pettigrew. Hall of Famer for sure. Who could forget? Who could forget? The sporting haggis. The sporting haggis. It must be cooled and inspected. It must be. Them's the rules. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's so wonderful. Oh my gosh. Uh, hmm. Well, uh, another wonderful thing. Apparently, mm-hmm. there's sort of a joke in Scotland of telling foreigners who are unfamiliar with haggis that it's a four legged animal. And there's an annual event called the Great Selkirk Haggis Hunt. Yep. In 2003, uh, The Guardian reported that a haggis manufacturer's online survey of a 1,000 American tourists, um, of of them, 33% thought that haggis was an animal, and 23% had come to Scotland to catch one. But I'm pretty sure that's all a joke. <laughs> it's hard to determine. <laughs> it's really hard to suss out. It's, I, there's a lot... <laughs> There's a lot of this that is jokes, but also a lot of this that I'm just like, how dry, how dry is the humor before it's just a fact? How dry is the humor before it's just a fact? That's That feels like a riddle level, <laughs> like a professor, you're trying to get by with something and they say, how dry is the humor before it's just a fact? <laughs> oh, <laughs> A lot of this episode does go that way, though. It does. From Janie Ketty at The Medium, there are two subspecies, the clockwise and the anti-clockwise populations. And this, I believe, is in reference to, um, so so part of the joke is that, is that these, these haggis, these animals that are a haggis, have, have evolved uneven legs so that yes. either they're, they're left- set of legs or their right set of legs are longer so that they're they're better adapted to um grazing along steeply hilled slopes right and you can only the clockwise can mate together and the anti-clockwise can but it can't work otherwise yeah 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 because then you'll have leg leg confusion oh can't have leg confusion no Mm-mm. this this is seriously an entire thing an entire thing Yes. And I adore it so intensely. <laughs> it's pretty fantastic. <laughs> when I first found it, I, I I was like, this is surely a joke or some like weird one off. And then it kept coming up. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is a thing. And then I found like an exhibit with the haggis, <laughs> like pictures of it. I was like, whoa, man, what have I stumbled upon? <laughs> We need to get the stuff they don't want you to know, guys, over here. It's really great. There's all kinds of photographs of, of haggises out there. 
The young are called haglets. Um, the- <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty great. I, I highly recommend seeking out this more information about this. Absolutely. Intensely and absolutely. Yes. Well, haggis the dish, and I suppose <laughs> this creature is strongly associated with Scotland, where um, the food is widely viewed as, yes, a national dish. And as Lindsay, the listener who suggested this, alluded to, haggis is eaten for Bard Robert Burns' birthday on January 25th, while his poem, Addressed to a Haggis, is read. Uh, specialty butchers in the United States sell thousands of orders of haggis a year leading up to Burns Night, some quarter ton a week. Um, there are also uh, 250 official Burns clubs worldwide, which hold formal haggis suppers for the holiday. And his name and or work are referenced in over 470 road names around Scotland. Dang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we will definitely be talking about more of that stuff throughout. <laughs> um, and I did want to include this quote from a 1986 article, Fair of the Country, Haggis History and Humor. Haggis is a form of sausage that seems to generate violent passions and arouses both reverence and mirth among the Scots, who have been eating it for at least 400 years. I like that. Violent passions, violent mirth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seems accurate. It does. It does. And we are going to get into the history of that 400 years of reverence and mirth. Yes. But first, we're going to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. Yeah, uh, West Home sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) 
Westholm offers these beautifully marbled stakes because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia, and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. Father's Day is coming, a day we celebrate the guy who's always there for us to crack a dad joke. Well, you know what's not a dad joke? Getting $50 off the Bartesian Premium Cocktail Maker with the purchase of his favorite cocktail capsule pack. $50 off. No dad joke. See, this is a dad joke. I lost my glasses today, and guess who I bumped into? Everyone. But the Bartesian Cocktail Maker? It's no joke. Each cocktail capsule contains real fruit juices and all-natural bitters, so Dad can make over 60 premium cocktails he loves. Sidecars, old fashions, gimlets, all with the push of a button. So, for the dad who loves a cocktail with friends and a good joke from time to time, get the Bartesian Premium Cocktail Maker. $50 off now until Father's Day. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash father to get 50 off the best premium cocktail maker for dad at the best price for you. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, recipes and methods for making haggis are something very similar to haggis. Go all the way back to the ancient Greeks and Romans. The ancient Romans most likely introduced it to Britain, where the locals adapted the recipe based on what was available. As we've discussed in past episodes, preserving meat during this time was a necessity. It was a big concern, especially because there was no refrigeration or it was tricky to achieve. <laughs> Gotta have a mountain nearby or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and haggis was a way to do that, to preserve this meat. Uh, once an animal was slaughtered, the offal's shelf life could be extended for several weeks by wrapping it in parts of the stomach, salting it, and boiling it, and there you go. You had this thing that was ready to cook at your convenience. Um, in the early days when cooking vessels weren't used, this was also a clever way of solving that problem. Homer mentioned a preparation of meat in the Odyssey in 8th century BCE that is very similar to this that a lot of people point to when they're Mm. tracing the history of haggis. Mm Now, (laughs) because it is so beloved in Scotland, some Scottish folks argue, and others, but primarily Scottish folks, uh, that it originated there or that Vikings brought it into that country. Um, And I I suppose it, it again goes to how strictly you define haggis. But most historians agree it did not actually originate in Scotland. Now, others uh, say haggis may have actually come from France, 
But there isn't, I know, but there isn't much to back that up either. That is more kind of etymological confusion because some people think the name haggis comes from French. Oh, okay. Yes. But okay, Scotland's first written recipes for haggis don't appear until the 1500s. Um, Most of these recipes involved mixing cereal, which was usually oats, with offal, usually minced sheep lungs, heart, liver, and fat, and that was mixed with salt, pepper, and stock, and then encased with something from the animal's entrails, typically the stomach. Certainly by the Middle Ages, haggis was regularly consumed in Britain, though it did have an association with the lower class, those that would be most concerned with not wasting any food. Mm-hmm. It was a convenient food for traveling merchants and whiskey makers. They would take it with them on their journeys through Scotland. Clarissa Wright posits that recipes appeared in writing before all of this, the earliest she could find going back to 1390. Quote, the first known cookery book, The Form of Cookery, written in 1390 by one of the cooks to King Richard II. It contains a recipe for a dish called a franchimoyle. Apologies. I tried to find a pronunciation and I couldn't. Uh, Hmm. And it continues, which is in effect a haggis. One of the first written instances of haggis with an A-S at the end came from the 1615 work The English Housewife by Gervais Markham. Others argue the word haggis with an ending E-I-S appeared earlier in Scotland in the 1520 poem Flighting of Dunbar and Kennedy. Okay. I like all the poems in this and speaking. Oh, Oh, yes. Okay, here we come to the the main event poem. The main event (laughs) poem. You've got to have a main event poem. Poet Robert Burns wrote Address to a Haggis, the quote, yes, great chieftain of the pudding race in 1787. And in this poem, he really uplifted the haggis, putting it on the same proverbial table as the most respected French foods. Because Burns was that revered of a national poet, this really boosted the love of haggis in Scotland, almost to the point of national pride. Uh, Yeah, uh, Burns, if you're not familiar, is uh, the writer responsible for poems like um, My Love is Like a Red, Red Rose, um, and for also recording and popularizing the folk song Auld Lang Syne, um, which, if you've ever been confused about the lyrics to, that might be because even, like, Americanized versions are still partially in Scots. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I, the words I remember to this song come from a 2001 Nickelodeon commercial. Join Dexter's <laughs> in the Powerpuff for Knockout, Have Out Fun, this New Year's Blast, Take oh. Out the Trash, Hello 2001. Wow. So. <laughs> it's very specific. I like it. I, it's one of those memories that it's just there. It's uh, the commercial was very effective, I guess. Huh. <laughs> um, but okay, back to to Burns. After Burns died, his friends celebrated him and his life with Scottish foods, whiskey, and of course the star, the haggis. The Burns Supper first celebrated in 1801, and yes, still celebrated to this day. From what I read, it is traditional for whoever is cutting the haggis to have the knife at the ready when they read the line, his knife see rustic labor dight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's this whole ceremony. Yes, and okay, this was this was also like when I was reading about the haggis the creature where at first I I thought surely this is not the case. A whole thing. Right, but oh, no, it, it's it a whole turns thing. out 
It is a whole thing. According to a hotel manager in Scotland, it goes down like this, quote, The haggis is placed upon a silver salver, sometimes even dressed in a kilt and tam, and carried into the dining hall to the accompaniment of bagpipes. It is put on the table and addressed by a speaker who apologizes for, quote, killing it. Then it is cut open with a swift slash of the dirk that Scotsmen carry in their knee socks. It's the whole thing. (laughs) I... Uh, I I cannot I cannot get over the fact that no one has ever invited me to one of these parties. I know. <laughs> I feel like I've really I've just really been sitting down on my job as a as not Certainly. only a food podcaster but like a human person. Absolutely. I mean, to not even know about this, it's a shame. It is. It's a shame. I feel like my whole life has been a farce, Annie, a farce. A haggis farce. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not, it, it's it's a bit of a long poem. Uh, and I feel like the, the, the English translation is a little bit shoddy. And I'm, and I'm not comfortable enough in Scots to read it in its original Scots. But I did want to give y'all a little bit of a sample of Address to a Haggis. Um, so yeah, from, from, the, from the English translation. Uh, it begins, Good luck to you and your honest, plump face, great chieftain of the sausage race. Above them all you take your place, stomach, tripe, or intestines. Well are you worthy of a grace as long as my arm. The groaning trencher there you fill, your buttocks like a distant hill. Your pin would help to mend a mill in time of need, while through your pores the dews distill like amber bead. His knife see rustic labor wipe, and cut you up with ready slight, trenching your gushing entrails bright like any ditch, and then, oh, what a glorious sight, warm, steaming, rich. Then, spoon for spoon, the stretch and strive, devil take the hindmost on they drive, till all their well-swollen bellies by and by are bent like drums, then old head of the table most like to burst, the grace hums. Is there that over his French ragout or oleo that would sicken a sow or fricassee would make her vomit with perfect disgust looks down with sneering, scornful view on such a dinner? Poor devil see him over his trash as feeble as a withered rush, his thin legs a good whiplash, his fist a nut, though bloody flood or field to dash, oh how unfit. But mark the rustic. Haggis fed, the trembling earth resounds his tread, clap in his ample fist a blade, he'll make it whistle. And legs and arms and heads will cut off like the heads of thistles. You powers who make mankind your care, and dish them out their bill of fare. Old Scotland wants no watery stuff that splashes in small wooden dishes, but if you wish her grateful prayer, give her a haggis. Give her a haggis. (laughs) It's beautiful. So beautiful. Oh. Excellent job, Lauren. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, so if you if you weren't following like the the the, the gist of all of that, um, it's just about like what a heckin' great dish haggis is and how um how nutritious and filling and 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 wonderful the experience of eating it is and how and how eating it gives uh, uh Scotland its power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love there's like a whole, you read this around friends once a year, and then you eat haggis. Yeah. <laughs> drink some whiskey. And drink some whiskey. A wee dram. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I adore everything. Yes. 
Okay. Uh, there is also a, another <laughs> poem we have from 1924 by satirist and poet James J. Montague. And he wrote a few stanzas about hunting haggises. And again, our haggis. Lauren and I discussed this. We don't know the proper etiquette. For pluralization. Yeah, yeah, we're not <laughs> yes. sure. No, we're not sure. But yes, I also am not familiar with Scots, so I'm going to butcher it, and I apologize. But I think it would be worse if I attempted it and failed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So the poem goes thusly. My heart's in the highlands, twist strings on my bow, to hunt the fierce haggis, man's awfulest foe. And well may my bairn have a tear in his eye, for I shall not come back if the haggis hunts me. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you gotta watch out for the haggis. You know, we've been Ooh. making fun of them, but, but it could be. They're fierce. They are fierce. Mm. Well, um, <laughs> In, uh, in 1967, there was a photo published somewhere of a Scottish man walking a haggis on a leash like a, like a pet rock. The accompanying article did not cite the man's reasoning. Much to my Who disappointment. <laughs> we, can, we can fill in the blanks, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, there are a multitude of possibilities, certainly, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, I also am a big fan of pet rocks. My oh, dad sure. had a pet rock when I and when I was a kid, I would just look at this rock and think, "Huh." <laughs> <laughs> and his name was Rocky, of course. Oh, okay, of course, yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, I see. I see you came by it honestly. That's that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. Um, in 1971, products that included sheep's lung, including haggis, were banned in the United States and Canada. Uh, yeah, th- this was due to concern about the risk of uh, gastrointestinal fluids leaking into the lungs during the slaughtering process and causing foodborne illness. Um, also, a bit later in 1989, there was a further U.S. ban on import of beef and sheep from regions affected by mad cow disease, uh, spongiform encephalopathy, uh, the U.K. included. Canada lifted their ban against lung products in 2017. Mm-hmm. All right, but let's go back and talk about our our sporting. Oh, it's very yes. rare we get to talk about sports in this show. <laughs> um, Irishman Robin Dunsheath placed an ad in a national newspaper in 1977 for the World Haggis Hurling Competition. According to him, he wanted to bring back a 17th century practice wherein women tossed haggis across the river to the men working in the fields on the other side in order to save time so they didn't have to go to crossing point, mm-hmm, just toss mm-hmm. it over. Yeah. And the men, of course, caught the haggis in their kilts. All of this, according to Dunseeth. Hundreds responded to the ad. Alas, Dunseeth admitted to making the whole thing up in 2004, <laughs> but that did not stop the haggis hurling. No, it did not. No. Uh, yeah, he would preside over the World Haggis Hurling Association for 20 years <laughs> and used all of the money that the competition raised for, 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 for charity. Uh, he sent it all to charities. That's including the sales of a book that he published titled Complete Haggis Hurler. <laughs> if there's not a movie that has a meat cute or somebody's walking around and gets hit in the head with a haggis, then... I don't know what we're doing here. Oh, I love a literal meat cute. That's <laughs> that's 
Great. Yes. Yes. <sighs> um. In 1989, the British Medical Journal published a joke article about the health effects of haggis, uh, reporting that after an experiment um, that traced the, the blood fats content of volunteers after they ate haggis, the Scottish volunteers showed a perhaps genetic protective trait against a haggis-specific triglycerides, um, and thus concluded that despite the fat and salt content of haggis, Scottish people should continue eating it, but that other populations should proceed with caution. <laughs> um, <laughs> the article claimed that the project was part of the uh, Cardiff Heart, Avioli, Gut, and Grain Ingestion Study, which, the acronym for which is HAGGIS. That's some Marvel-level stuff there. And I, I appreciate that. <laughs> that is some sword and shield-level stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm. They, uh, a a quote, a quote from the article, um, ethical approval was not sought and informed consent could not be obtained as so little is known about the consequences of eating haggis. There was no control group because we deemed it unethical to withhold haggis from any subject. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad they weren't being unethical. (laughs) Uh, uh, The New York Times uh, commented on the work with an article that begins, The British Medical Journal, a weekly publication famous for its science but little known for whimsy, has broken new ground in both fields. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) uh So good. Uh, The world's first haggis factory opened in Scotland in 1996. Also in 96, um, an article was published in the journal Computers and Geosciences titled uh, The Integration of GIS, Remote Censoring, Expert Systems, and Adaptive Co-Crigging for Environmental Habitat Modeling of the Highland Haggis Using Object-Oriented Fuzzy Logic and Neural Network Techniques. This is, if you're unfamiliar, a who's who of trendy jargon of the day. Um, the, (laughs) The abstract for this article explains, results show conclusively that these techniques improve the analytical capability in absolute quantitative terms by quite a bit, really. (laughs) Uh, The paper includes a comparison of satellite and radar images, and these images are literal illustrations of a satellite and a radar dish. Oh, wow. The, The method section begins... Using the techniques outlined above, the path for each haggis, they're talking about the haggis as an animal, by the way, is modeled as a combination of environmental, spectral, spatial, economic, temporal, taxonomic, and astrologic data species in the following way. Oh, it's so excellent. (sighs) I'm so happy that people had fun and spent their time in this wonderful way. It's really quite a good paper. Um, There's also a whole, like, Heart ridge in a pear tree <laughs> joke. I like the hesitation over joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, um, it's it's quite a thing. And and dear listener, there is more. In 2007, uh, the veterinary medical journal, The Veterinary Record, published a special article titled Applications of Ultrasonography in the Reproductive Management of, oh gosh, and there's Latin, Dux Magnus Gentis Venturis Saginati, which translates literally to the great chieftain O the Pudding Race. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 
This article is about how, due to the popularity of hunting wild Scottish haggis, uh, a taxonomic name Haggis scoticus vulgaris, that the popularity having been spurred by Robert Burns and his poetry, um, the wild populations of Scottish haggis are struggling. So it describes an experiment undertaken to uh, help introduce new genetic stock to wild haggis to help them thrive better in farm conditions. Because if you'll remember, um, the wild haggis have evolved, you know, like left ipsilateral leg pairs longer than the right pair as so to graze on these steep slopes. So when they're grazing on flat farms, they, they experience falling over disease, which the article notes also affects many a veterinary student on a Friday night, um, as had been reported in previous literature, such as um, McTipsy et al., from 1969. Mm. <sighs> Big tipsy, yes. Yes. Who can forget? <laughs> Who can forget the great, well. <laughs> the great veterinary writer, McTipsy. McTipsy. I love to think that if somebody was listening to this and they kind of dozed off <laughs> at the beginning, <laughs> and then you come to at this part and you're like, wait, Haggis is a creature. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh yeah, it's uh yeah, the the and the study like the paper the paper was describing how like they had trouble with ultrasound because the 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 haggis were so so fatty that the ultrasound couldn't couldn't <laughs> penetrate. Mm. And it it ends with an author's note that reads um no haggai that's their plural were harmed during this study. On a serious note, this work is entirely fictitious. Apart from one scientific fact, haggis contains too much fat and air for ultrasound to penetrate at diagnostic ranges. It is being published to coincide with Burns Night, January 25th, and its intent is pure and harmless fun. Oh. <laughs> I I think that they, they knocked it out of the park. <laughs> I agree i really hope that you will look this paper up um it's uh it uses it uses a a, a date notation for like the way back um which is which is the oat cake notation i just i really lost it it's as as a human i don't know if i don't know how many scientific or medical papers y'all have read in your lifetime but having read quite a lot of them <laughs> i yeah. really fell out <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this sounds like something we would get up to. Uh, <laughs> so very much appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, as we've discussed in episodes like our awful episode and the Scrapple episode, uh, nose-to-tail eating has elevated dishes like haggis and made it sort of trendy. Um, this has led to experimentation with ingredients, methods, and presentations of haggis, particularly to fit with what's available wherever it is in the world that is being made. Yeah, which, you know, kind of fits with the with the spirit of haggis. Um, and, you know, I, I think that a lot of people would argue that that it's not um, a, a proper haggis, like a proper Scottish haggis. But, right. but yeah, but that the, that the spirit of the haggis is to use what you've got available. Um, and there has been psychological discussions surrounding haggis about why, like, why people find awful meats off-putting, even though they are sustainable and often nutritious. Yes, yes. The spirit of the haggis. Mm-hmm. We must mm-hmm. remember. Um, <laughs> Scots living in America are hoping that with Brexit and new trade deals being drawn up, the U.S. may lift their ban on haggis, just like Canada did. 
Um, this whole thing has, of course, led to cases of smuggling haggis into the United States. There are reports of folks, like, driving it in from Canada, like, smuggled, like, under stuff or mailing it in mislabeled packages, uh, such as lamb sausage or gifts. <laughs> or, like, smuggling it onto airplanes, like, wrapped in clothes or towels. One chef was caught by an airport sniffer dog and had his haggis confiscated and oh. later incinerated, officials informed him, but they didn't fine him, so that's nice. Mm-hmm. Um from 2016 to 2020, uh, customs officials at the U.S.-Canada border um, seized some uh, 17,300 ruminant byproducts. Wow. Um, that does include other other ruminant uh, species, uh, goats and elk and stuff like that, but, uh, and wow. pro- products thereof. But still, that's quite but a bit. Still. <laughs> that is quite a bit. And uh, in late January, I believe January 22nd of this very year, a Scottish haggis uh, manufacturing company, uh, Simon Howie, launched a 454-gram bag of their haggis into near space on a weather balloon in celebration of both science and Burns Night. Haggis in space? Haggis in space! (laughs) We have covered some ground in this one. I, I, I want to. I just, I want to research haggis for every episode. Now I just want this to be the haggis show, and I want to do nothing but read humorous scientific articles about haggis. Time for a rebrand. <laughs> <laughs> sure, like, our sorry, bosses will get sorry, on board. Sorry, y'all. That's it. <laughs> This is what Saver is now. <laughs> Only haggis all the time. <laughs> yes, it's it's been a delight. It really has. Um, but I suppose that's what we have to say about haggis for now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. Other than I, I did, I did promise my roommates that I would, uh, that I would mention. So I married an axe murderer. Um, in, in which Michael Myers, playing a uh, American man of Scottish descent, uh, has an extended uh, scene with his Scottish parents, who he's also portraying. Um, Haggis is involved. As someone who has only heard snippets about what this movie is about, I my mind is very unsure <laughs> what Haggis is involved could entail. But okay. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so it, that is what we have to say about haggis. But we do have some listener mail for you. We do. But first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. 
So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. <laughs> yeah, uh, West Holm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. <laughs> yes, I did too. <laughs> Westholm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholme.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. Dad deserves something really nice for Father's Day. But let's face it, we usually don't do it. Big gifts are for Mother's Day. Picking something up on the way is for Father's Day. Well, let's make Father's Day something this year with the Bartesian Cocktail Maker. It whips up over 60 premium cocktails on demand, each ready at the push of a button. And right now, you get $50 off the Bartesian Cocktail Maker when you buy one pack of Dad's favorite cocktail capsules. Dad will publicly love that you saved 50 on the countertop machine that crafts premium cocktails on demand. And he'll secretly love that you splurged on him for Father's Day with the gift of a Bartesian. Because the only thing that lets Dad know he's the world's number one dad better than a world's number one dad coffee mug is an artisan cocktail in his hand. Make dad's Father's Day and Father's Day cocktails with all natural juices and bitters without making any mess at all. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N dot com backslash father to get $50 off the best premium cocktail maker for dad at the best price for you. Bartesian. Premium cocktails on demand. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the summer sets on summer savings and we're back thank you sponsor yes thank you and we're back with a listener, listener mail. worthy of the haggis ah yes i don't know it's hard to be worthy of the haggis <laughs> that's what i've learned <laughs> well i'll try well i'll try we can only that's all we can do that's mm-hmm. all we can do uh-huh Valerie wrote, in the Oats podcast, Lauren said that oats are gluten-free. This is sort of true, but it's complicated. Mm, yes. Yes. <laughs> Most oats are grown in crop rotation with wheat and processed on shared equipment with wheat. So normal oats are cross-contaminated with gluten. One exception to that is mechanically separated oats, 
where a machine separates out the wheat kernels from regular oats. Mechanically separated oats are a topic of hot debate in the Sealac community because some people feel they are safe enough to eat, but other people disagree. Another type of gluten-free oats is purity protocol oats, which are grown in the fields that are not in crop rotation with wheat and processed on dedicated gluten-free equipment, so they really are gluten-free. However, even with truly gluten-free oats, a certain percentage of the celiac community also reacts to the avenin, avenin? Not sure. Uh, protein in oats in the same way that they react to gluten. So not everybody with celiac can eat even the purest and most carefully grown oats. Ah, oh, yes. Yes. I love these terminologies of <laughs> Oh yeah. protocol. Again, there's just so many things we encounter in our research where I'm like, I don't know what that means until I research it. I have no clue. Yeah. It, well, and, and that's that that's really honestly like that's the thing that makes me glad and excited to do this show every week. Like like other other than getting to hang out with 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 you and Andrew, um, Annie, like, and it's just everything, literally everything that we that we look into goes so deep. Yes. There are entire micro industries built around every single one of these details and just that like level of human specialization blows my mind every time I think about it and I think every single part of it is fascinating and I want to learn all of it yes I'm the same and that's something I I'm genuinely so delighted by is when I meet someone and their specialization is something Mm -hmm. so like super focused yeah I love that (laughs) right yeah, and then you're like, tell me all about it. And they're like, my job is really boring. And you're like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, okay. <laughs> I feel yes. like even when we interview people, people are like, really? Like, you're interested in this? And I'm like, yes. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Very much. <laughs> oh, um, Kiana wrote, I hope that I'm saying your name right, by the way. Um, I probably have the weirdest oatmeal preference in the world. It was what my mom always made for herself for breakfast, and somewhere along the line, I also picked up the habit. To start, put a quarter cup of oatmeal, a half cup of water, half of an apple chopped into small pieces, a handful of raisins, and a whole lot of cinnamon in a bowl. Then cook it in the microwave for one to two minutes. It depends on your microwave and oatmeal. The microwave is ideal because you don't have to deal with a messy pot on the stove, and you can always make the exact amount you want to eat. Now, for the special ingredient. Grab a third of a cup of cottage cheese, normal or dry curd, mix it into the oatmeal, and stick it back in the microwave just long enough to heat the cheese through about 30 seconds. You can warm it up longer, say a minute or so, if you want the cheese to become gooey and stringy. Stir in brown sugar to taste and enjoy. All the oatmeal I make for myself has cottage cheese in it. Sometimes I switch up the fruit like hand-picked Saskatoons the heck? (laughs) Continuing, or raspberries that grow here abundantly in the summer, but the basic recipe is the same. My mom and I both suffer from low blood sugar, so the protein in the cheese keeps the sugars balanced. Needless to say, I get quite a few odd looks and comments when a stranger witnesses my food atrocity. Side note, does not sound like an atrocity to me. I want cheese in all my meals. (laughs) That sounds great. That sounds good to me. (laughs) Uh, at any rate, continuing, 
I went to college for equine science. It's basically a diploma course that gives you a leg up in the horse industry, including instruction in anatomy, basic vet skills, riding skills, and of course, stable cleaning. The latter one required us to be at the barn for morning chores at 5.30 a.m. Thankfully, it was a rotation schedule and not every morning for two years. In any case, once we were done with our chores, we would head to the cafeteria for breakfast. The look on my team members' faces when I sat down with my gruel that first morning was one of horror. Honestly, by that point, I was too tired to care. It probably didn't help that I had two full glasses of Diet Coke to go along with it. At the time, I couldn't stand the taste of coffee or tea, and that was the only caffeine I could get my hands on so I could make it to my 8 a.m. class without falling asleep. In another college-related oat story, we would feed the broodmares, uh, pregnant horses, oats during those horrid early mornings. The oats were kept in a separate shed, which was also a home for a lovely family of mice. They would greet us every morning by jumping out of the shed, often hitting our legs and feet on the way out. I was one of the few girls who wasn't afraid of mice, so it was my job to brave the shed for the oats. Every mouse was named either Gus Gus or Jacques. I miss them sometimes. You also touched on dinosaur oatmeal. I have no idea what these dinosaur commercials are, but growing up, we had dino eggs. I love dino eggs. If you've never heard of them, it's instant oatmeal with little candy eggs that dissolve in the hot water to reveal itty-bitty dinosaur-shaped sprinkle-like things. That was the only type of oatmeal I would eat, probably because it didn't taste anything like oatmeal due to the amount of sugar in it. <laughs> what? That sounds amazing. You you just you just triggered some kind of memory for me and either I've just been so delighted by this mental image or I'm actually remembering something and I really can't tell which. Um, <laughs> but I feel like I feel like that is a thing that I've heard of previously and that my parents would not let me have them and that oh. I was that I was big mad about it. Oh, yeah. Dino eggs? Right? Have dino eggs? Oh, what a great on. way to sell something to a child. I know. Especially, I feel like during, well, I'm just taking a guess here, but there was a, a big dinosaur period for a while. Yeah. Like, that was yeah. the thing. Um, I think Gosh. the dino, at least the dinosaur commercials were in the 90s, and I feel like that was... Yeah, like Prime like late late type. late eighties to 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 early nineties is definitely yeah, yeah. As you said, Annie, prime Dino time. <laughs> I also I also love uh, if if anyone is less familiar with Disney's Cinderella, um, uh, Gus Gus and Jacques are the two lead mice in Disney's Cinderella. So it's yes, so that's very cute. Yes, which I will always associate with you, Lauren. Oh. Always will associate with you because we had dinner at Cinderella's castle and Gus Gus and Jacques were nowhere to be found, but apparently they were decorating, is what we were told. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. So so now now I'm gonna tell the story. Uh this is one of my favorite stories, actually. Uh so Annie Reese, if y'all don't know, is the type of human person who, if you go to a theme park with her, will not tell you that she has booked you a dinner at a princess castle that includes the experience of meeting at least one princess. Right. <laughs> and she will surprise you with this after you have been roaming around a series of parks for like 12 straight hours. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> Can't deny anything you've said so far. <laughs> and... um. 
if you are, as I was at the time, like, you know, a highly jaded, like, like what, like 35, 36-year-old woman, <laughs> uh-huh. um, <laughs> you walk into this and you're like, well, this is objectively delightful, but also I feel weird about expressing <laughs> objective delight at this juncture. Yes. Um so when, for example, Cinderella is all like, is all like, oh hey, like how's your like how are you enjoying the the Christmas decorations? P.S. It was like, what was this September? <laughs> I think it was November. Okay, okay. early well, November. It was it was early for Christmas decorations for me, and I told Cinderella that. Um, yes, you did. And she and she said, this amazing actress, gosh. She deserves a raise wherever she is, whatever she's doing right now. She deserves a raise. She was like, oh, well, I know it is early, but Gus Gus and Jacques just love putting up the decorations. And so, you know, we just let them do it. And I was like, well, that is the cutest answer. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't be mad at anything anymore. This is the most magical place on earth. (laughs) It was a lovely night. I still have my wishing star. <laughs> Me too. Me too, dude. Yes. yes. Uh, it was a good meal too. I, you know. It was. <laughs> it was a bizarre. I, you know, it's funny hearing you tell it because in my mind, like everyone knows my plans. And so I didn't like, and as the night progressed and like all these princesses stopped at our table. I didn't know that was going to happen necessarily either, but then it did become clear that neither you or the other person we were with was in any way prepared for this. <laughs> but it became really fun where we were just like, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like we are we are three adult human women yeah. surrounded by tables of young families. <laughs> it was great. It was great. It was yeah. really, it was mildly embarrassing, um, yes. but but again, truly delightful. And I really <laughs> thank you for that experience. <laughs> I, I thank you for sharing that with me. It was a very memorable time. <laughs> very lovely time. <laughs> um, but... Thanks to those listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. 
Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, $159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now.